Welcome to New Realities. I'm Alan Steinfeld, and this is a very special day and a very special project that is being launched by my guest, Mark Sims. I would have to say, inspired by the book, Making Contact, we are about to go into a Making Contact convergence. So, Mark, so happy you're here. Let's talk about what's going on. Well, thank you, Alan. Uh, I really appreciate being on New Reality with you. And uh, yeah, this is a big, big deal. This is historic, uh, what we're doing today. We are launching a new platform called the Making Contact Campus. It's a virtual uh, space where people can come together and have this discussion about the philosophical, theological, cultural, and political Im implications of the fact that we are being visited by extraterrestrial intelligence, off-world beings, higher dimensional beings, and uh, and that we will, um, uh, you know, be having this discussion in a forum that is safe, that is interactive, where people can who uh, are participating can join in the conversation about how to go about reaching out making diplomatic relations, establishing contact, and, uh, and, and how would we begin a dialogue, uh, a meaningful dialogue with our star family. And so we have these amazing speakers uh, and lecturers that are gonna be participating in a five-day event that we're calling the Making Contact Convergence. Okay. And, Wait, yeah. wait, I just want to ask you, what, so today, what is special about today? Well, uh, you know, I'm going to get to that. First okay. thing I want to say is that anybody that's listening that wants to be part of this conversation needs to go to makingcontact.com. It's just like the book right there, makingcontact.com. And you will see the lineup of amazing lecturers and speakers and our panel conversations and you can register for this event. And because you're watching, I'm going to give a special promo code that will save you $100 from the ticket price. And uh, you can type that in when you register to, uh, um, to uh, save $100 and participate in this historic event. And we're limiting this to 2,000 tickets. So, you know, that we, I'm going to be promoting this on coast to coast on the 14th of August. I'm going to be promoting this elsewhere. And uh, when those tickets are sold, we're, we're done because uh, we want to make this an intimate uh, experience for people. We are testing this virtual platform that I'm going to show you here in a moment. Um, and uh, let me uh, just share my screen and, and explain. Well, we'll tell you what, let me, um, let me just uh, really quickly. Share um, your screen because I, I'm having a little technical stuff on my end actually, but go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, but there, there is definitely some kind of uh, uh, sound problem on, on here that's hard mm -hmm. to... Uh, I know yours is sort of skipping a little bit too on this end, but um, um, why don't you just share your screen and go through the presentation and take it from okay. there. Yeah. So this is the new video. I'm going to share the sound here. And uh, 
And here, the, can you see this? Um, well, I'm not sure. I can't get back to my Zoom screen, but um, let me just see if it comes online. I think Victoria is watching this online, so I think it does come up. Yes, um, I'm not sure. I'm just going to check the. I'm just checking online the. As Victoria, if it, yeah, that that I'm hearing. Yes. Welcome to the Making Contact Convergence event. Yes. You are invited to experience our new virtual world to explore ideas beyond our world, and to connect to other explorers like you. You will also get to meet world-renowned experts and panelists in our virtual campus and discover some amazing things. What is the Making Contact Campus? It's a one-of-a-kind 3D virtual space that you sign up for. The first time you log in, you will custom design your very own avatar. Then, you're free to stroll around and explore the various areas of the campus. There's a wide variety of different venues to choose from. You can watch a film in the theater or attend a seminar in one of the classrooms. You can visit the giant expo hall, see artist expositions, or even join in on a scavenger hunt. Plus, there's a whole lot more. We look forward to seeing you right here on the Making Contact campus. So that is a world premiere video that uh, your viewers had the benefit of seeing for the very first time. And we're going to be putting this up on our website, makingcontact.com. Again, we encourage all of the listeners watching this to put in the promo code AllenSave100. And uh, that will save all the viewers $100 off the uh, standard ticket price of $249. And again, we're limiting this to 2,000 people. That's uh, what we're doing here. And, uh, and, and so this five-day event features these incredible speakers. We have, of course, Lou Alizondo, my co-producer, Danny Sheehan. Uh, we have Christopher Mellon. Uh, we have uh, Ralph Lubenthal from the New York Times, who's going to be presenting and on a panel. Ralph Lubenthal, for those that, uh, Rubenthal, who people may not know, again, Ralph Blumenthal. Right. He was the New York Times journalist who, with Leslie Keene, broke the story in December of 2017 about the Navy videos that were filmed by the F-18 uh, Hornet fighter jet pilots. And I uh, want to say, Mark, that opened the whole disclosure movement from 2000 to now. We've been snowballing to the real truth behind UFOs. Right. And uh, what I want to do here, I'm going to just bring up um, the, uh, I'm going to bring up our website real quick. Great. Um, now, and then you're going to talk about how people can join. I'm going to put something in the chat where they can get a code discount. So, so here's uh, just some of the amazing speakers we have lined up. So you've got Whitley Strieber, a dear friend. I'm not, I'm not seeing it on my screen, though. I'm not actually seeing. I'm just seeing a blank screen. Can, is there something you could do to make it a little more? 
Uh, well, um, I, I don't know what else to do. Can um, you just um, sh just put up the screen again with the with the okay. names? If, when you see it, we can see it. Okay, now I see it. Now I see oh, it. Okay, so here's uh, here's our uh, lineup, and there's other people included, and you can go to the speakers uh, uh, tag here or uh, uh, menu, and we've got Jimmy Blanchett, who's this incredible. Uh, radio, amateur radio um, inventor who developed a, a special um, antenna called the TARP, it stands for Triangular Array Rotational Polarity Antenna, that he can aim at the moon and uh, blast these messages off the moon. And he established contact with ETs using this antenna with his radio station and Ventura, California back in 2017. And that took him on this journey that he's been on ever since. Uh, he's a dear friend, um, Ralph Blumenthal, the New York Times journalist. We've got Adam Curry coming on from, uh, you know, the, the um, pair lab at Princeton University that did the research into the, the uh, influence of consciousness on reality. Richard Dolan, who needs no other mention. Lou Richard Dolan is, is probably one of the best researchers in the field for the past 20 years. Right. Think, you know, many times, but he, he's a great guy. Yes, yes, yes. Lou Alessandro, uh, who was the uh, former director of ATIP, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program at the Pentagon, and who became the whistleblower and ultimately was responsible for helping get the um, Navy and the Pentagon to release the videos that are now famous for breaking this story. Um, James Garrison, who is a, a PhD of, re of religion, history of religion from Harvard University. And he's gonna help us have discussions and present a, a, a lecture on the theological implications of uh, extraterrestrials and, and contacting them. Linda Moulton Howe, another one of the you know, premier people who've, who's been investigating the UFO, ET, UAP phenomenon for uh, 35, 40 years now. And, and not only, Linda gets whistleblowers from inside the government to come forward and share their secrets about the alien races that are here on the planet and their operations and how they're influencing governments and individuals. So she's key for this. Right. And then we have uh, Captain Ron Janix. Uh, he is our host. He's uh, on board as one of our uh, key partners for this event. Uh, he uh, has a radio podcast uh, called The Observation Deck, and he will be um, hosting this event. Uh, we've got Barbara Lamb, another one of the, um, you know, the, the pillars of the UFO research community and uh, historian uh, researchers. And she'll be sharing some information that she's never presented before. Um, so this is a really amazing uh, uh, person to have at our event. And then Christopher Mellon, of course, who spent 20 years in the U.S. intelligence community and has served as the minor staff director, minority staff director of the Senate Intelligence Committee and the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence under President Clinton and Bush. So he's served under both a 
um, uh, Democratic and a Republic, um, uh, you know, administration. But he's also leading, along with Elizondo, this push for government disclosure. Absolutely. They are working together, and he has a lot of inside information about how governments work, what they know, what they're willing to admit. And listening to him at this conference, I think, is key to the whole ongoing movement. He, he is going to share some things that have never been discussed before uh, in the press. So we are so blessed and lucky to have him as part of this uh, event. Um, so... Uh, you know, that's that he alone is worth the price of admission here. You know, right. again, you know, the ticket price right now is two forty nine. That is going to go up as we get closer and closer to the date. Uh, and with this Allen Save 100, all in uppercase, no spaces, your viewers can save one hundred dollars off that two forty nine ticket price and join in on this historic event. Um, so it'll be $140 for people who use that promo code? $149 is what it will cost. So uh, right. so you, they go to makingcontact.com. You'll see a register button and you can buy a ticket to that. And then we're having a special additional VIP day uh, after this event. And that's an option for people that they can select. And that's going to be another really unique uh, event for one day. That we're what, hap what happens on the VIP day? Well, that's when uh, we have um, uh, some of our, we're going to revisit, um, you know, the, the five-day event. We're, so we're taking a week off. Uh, the last day is the 22nd of August. And then six days later, uh, we are doing a full-day event on the 28th. And uh, we will be kind of summarizing what happened. And one of the objectives of this five-day meeting is to collect ideas and strategies from these thought leaders and luminaries on how to best uh, reach out and, and, and establish diplomatic relations with extraterrestrials. And once we establish contact, what would we say to them? What would we ask of them? And so we're, we're collecting these ideas and synthesizing that into a, uh, a memorandum, kind of a, a, a white paper that we will then present on this VIP day about how we will implement uh, these strategies for establishing a citizens diplomacy initiative and a program behind that. A train, we're we're going to use this uh, virtual platform as a training center where people who want to in, be engaged in this process as either an ambassador or an emissary or as a spokesperson um, can, can come and get trained by these people who uh, want to, to help teach and lead this effort uh, so that we can take this and create a movement that right. eventually will become a global movement for initiating contact and establishing diplomatic relations. Well, one of the things I think you need, just my suggestion, is the contactees. We need a really solid Absolutely. presence of people who've already been ambassadors. They've already been, because it's up to the phenomena itself. And these people, and I've had contact, you've had contact, we are a little closer to the possibility of reaching them and bringing a, a group of these people forward to be 
the ambassadors and the leaders of this initiation, because it's an initiation into another level of consciousness, I think is works perfectly with these experts. Absolutely. So we have Whitley Strieber as a con as an experiencer and contactee. We have uh, Jimmy Blanchett, who's an experiencer and contactee. There's myself. Um, there's you. Uh, and uh, we're going to have probably Phil Gruber, if I can get him. He's an amazing. I, I can get him. He, he used to be my roommate. I can get Phil. Oh, but. really? OK, well, he was at your book launch in Sedona on May 2nd, right? No, so, he was just online. He was just online there. Oh, oh, was but just I, I think Marina Seren, we met her on uh, Saturday Night Alive. You remember her? Yes, yes. I mean, there's That's a, right. There's a and, lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. She was amazing. So we could get her. Marshall Summers is a famous contactee, uh, and he is um, the founder of the Society of the New Message, a religious nonprofit organization that was established back in 1992. And he uh, has this amazing uh, uh, message for humanity through his own personal contact experiences uh, that predate mine by, by a lot. He's barely to speak publicly. I would love to bring in some of the old timers like, uh, well, Kathleen Martin, who's the niece of Betty and Barney Hill, um, the woman who was in some of these, uh, the Andreasen affair, you know, the Andreasen, uh, Betty Andreasen is, I think she's still around. Um, the, I mean, I'm just throwing out suggestions, the uh, Allagash Four, who've been at Travis Walton. These are people who are really, long time experiencers. Yeah, yeah, there, there's no doubt. You know, we, we will be doing that. This is just the first of many right. events that we're going to be hosting on this platform, the Making right. Contact Campus. And, and, uh, and will this be an ongoing play after this event is over? Can people be, visit the campus anytime? Absolutely. Th this is designed to be a place where people can belong and congregate and discuss these issues. And experiencers are going to, this will be a place where experiencers can come and share their information, their story uh, with people who are interested in a safe setting without feeling, you know, and, and because you have an avatar, you know, people who may have been contacted by extraterrestrials who feel, uh, you know, shy or otherwise uh, not, you uh, inclined to speak publicly can come to a place where they can begin having discussions and come out of the closet, so to speak, um, and, and do that in an anonymous form, uh, format. And over time, they, as they gain confidence and maybe um, some, uh, some, some courage through this process and feel safe in this environment, they might actually eventually become presenters themselves in this platform. So this is a, think of this as a Facebook for, for experiencers. I uh, love that. I think that's so important. I think it's really key for us to be making contact with each other. That's right. perfect. Yes. This is so great. So we have Bar Dr. Barbara Fakar from, uh, who used to be the president of Goddard College. She mm -hmm. is uh, a, a uh, PhD in psychology from the Union Institute and University, uh, you know, Goddard College. And she's mm -hmm. going to be uh, joining us on uh, and doing a lecture 
So, uh, you know, we, we, what we're trying to do here for the very first time is elevate the conversation. We, we, we for years had these conferences at UFO symposiums where we have, you know, the experiencers like Travis Walton and Whitley Strieber and, and uh, Richard Dolan and, and yourself and yeah. many others who've really been champions of trying to bring awareness to this issue and educate the general public, anybody who's willing to listen. But now that we know that they're here and the government has effectively admitted as much, now we're attempting to take this to a whole new level. And, by, and we're doing that by bringing in these, uh, you know, distinguished people from academe, from science, from philosophy, uh, from uh, the political, uh, you know, field, you know, like Christopher Mellon. And, uh, and, uh, and here we got John Valentino, who's uh, the chief of strategic investing for uh, Peter Thiel. Thiel. <clears throat> it's a private investment firm in LA. And he's very well known in the uh, economy circles and in investment circles as a luminary for how to invest strategically. So he's going to be here. And then we've got Victor Vigiani from Zeland Communications, who's, uh, who's one of the uh, principal people with the International Center for Extraterrestrial Research. Uh, which is an international organization that was established last year to have this discussion about how to establish diplomatic relations with extraterrestrials. So he's uh, going to be speaking and, uh, and on a panel discussing how do we establish a citizens diplomacy initiative that's meaningful, that's respectful, that uh, has a chance for success uh, will be taken you know, seriously by the general public and by others in positions of authority and government and, and religious institutions. And then our uh, anchoring the whole thing is uh, Eric Weinstein. He wow. is the managing director of Thiel Capital and he's a famous uh, uh, physicist and mathematician who has uh, created a theory called uh, geometric unity. And uh, in that, he's hoping to unify uh, general relativity uh, and, and kind of classical physics with um, quantum physics. You know, the interesting thing about Eric Weinstein is that he's, he acknowledged he's late to the UFO party for a long time. He thought there was nothing to this. It was some kind of hoax or crazy right. people. And then when the government started to talk about this and he looked a little deeper into the evidence and the record, he says, sort of, I can't put words in his mouth, like, oh, my God, this is real. I'm really sorry for ridiculing all this and denying it. And right. people like that get even more excited about the phenomenon because they realize how, uh, what kind of propaganda there is against people knowing it. And exactly. so when people wake up, they become passionate about like me and you, Mark, passionate about this. <laughs> That's right. So we're, we're at the threshold of a major consciousness shift yes. of, uh, of the human family to realize for the first time as a collective consciousness that mm -hmm. we are not alone and all that implies. And we have to begin having this discussion about the impacts this is gonna have on our political systems, on our culture, 
on our philosophy and, yeah, and uh, our biology, our technology, our cosmology. This is going to touch every aspect of life. This is and what so, I call the pun is earth shattering. Right. It really is going to require a recalibration of our worldview as a human yes. family, both yes. individually and collectively. And this is where we take this discussion to a whole new octave. So right. th this is this is historic. We are going to look back in history a thousand years from now and point at this event as as one of the key uh, points in, in our history where we shifted our consciousness from the old paradigm to a new paradigm. This is a turning point because the more we realize that we're not alone in the universe, the more we realize how deep our humanity goes, how widespread our consciousness is, and how we are intimately connected to something bigger than ourselves. We're not a freak of nature, as Darwinian Newtonian uh, science would have us believe. So, so I just want to point out this register button up here on the yes. home page. This is always available. And if you click on it, this will take you to the place where you can buy a ticket. So uh, if you uh, just hit add to cart here, yes. and then you have an opportunity to apply the coupon. So what you want to do is type in Allen save 100. Right. And that's going to save $100 off the ticket price. So you can see it, it added that. And, uh, and then you just hit proceed to checkout. And then you type in your, your billing details. And, uh, and, and that's, it's just that simple. So, so once someone buys a ticket and they have access to the campus whenever they want. That's right. And, and there's two things here I want to point out. See where it says add to my order for $99, yeah. the making contact convergence VIP bonus day. That's the August 28th day. So you can click on that. That'll add that to the order. And you're so now that, you know, you get the $100 credit here and then you enter your credit card or you can also use PayPal and place your order. And you will immediately be sent a confirmation email and then a, a second email that will uh, include your, your link to download the software because this does need to run on a computer. It won't run on your smartphone. It will not run on a tablet. Unfortunately, right now, this only runs on a, on a Mac or a Windows PC. But, uh, and what I'm gonna do is just show you real quick. Uh, I'm gonna take your, your viewers through the, the onboarding process as we've called right. it. I, you know, your marketing people said, I have a few tickets if I wanted to give away. And I'm talking- Yes, that, that's and, right. So and if- uh, And so how I wanna give it away, if you purchase a copy of Making Contact the book and send me the receipt, I'll give the first three people to do that. I'll send you a free ticket to the making contact convergence. So All my right. email is new realities. You have to send me an Amazon receipt that you bought the book and I'll send you uh, a free ticket. So it's new realities at earthlink.net is my email Buy a book and I will send you a copy, but yeah, what else this is quite a platform and you can, uh, you can this is fantastic. Really, very amazing. This is really the next level. 
I'm telling you, this is the best $149 anybody listening to this has spent. So uh, a lot of money, time, blood, sweat, and tears have been invested into this work and you get the benefit of it for $149. And you are gonna get in on the ground floor and, and participate in a historic discussion on, on what it will mean to our world and our culture and our human family for making contact and, and even contribute. We want people to, to, uh, to, to be involved and share their ideas and, and be part of the process. So we're making this open, transparent. There's no, nothing happening behind closed doors anymore. The government is, has lost the, their 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 authority uh, and their integrity in this in the 70, 80 years that they've been uh, hiding this information and uh, not disclosing it. This now needs to be a citizens movement. And that's this is the platform where that movement takes place. Right. Still- Absolutely. Making contact is an inside job and we're making contact with these beings, ourselves, the planet, and each other. And, and so we're recording all the lectures, we're re- recording the panel discussions, and we're, be, we're synthesizing a white paper, a kind of memorandum uh, or, or manifesto that will be published and sent out to news agencies, to newspapers, to radio programs, to the New York Times. We have Ralph Blumenthal who's part of this discussion, who broke the story in 2017. He's engaging with us in this discussion. Do you think this is newsworthy? Do you think this might end up on the cover of the New York Times? Absolutely, yes. Maybe if we do this right, and you could be a part of it. You could say, I was there. I was Mm -hmm. part of it, that historic event. And when when that article comes out on the cover of the New York Times announcing the Citizens Disclosure Initiative, and this uh, attempt to establish a, a global movement for making contact, you will have been able to say, I was there. Well, I'd love to help you edit that manifesto and make it. Oh, you're, 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 you're part of it, Alan. You well, are already a part of this. So right. this, well, is, uh, this is why you're here. Right. No, I'm very excited about it because this, of course, is stuff we've been studying for 20 or 30 years. I That's mean, right. and, and so. This is starting to snowball in a big way for everyone watching this. We can be part of the solution because we're talking about it. We're, have, we're in the environment of, of change right. and revolution. So this is a revolution and you discovered the perfect platform for making that happen. Thank- this is where it's going to begin. This is where we shift the consciousness and launch a new era. This is it. This is it. We are going forward. Ladies and gentlemen, be, be part of this. Start making contact. Go to makingcontact.com. Get the book. Sign up for the event. Be at this event so you can add your input because it's a very interactive platform that people want to hear what you have to say. If you're listening to this, you, you deserve to be part of this. So thank you, Mark, for taking the time. Thank you, Alan. I am so blessed uh, and, and grateful to you for hosting this uh, this podcast. And and uh, you're 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 the we're launching it today. You're the first one to uh, you know to interview us on the launch day. 
And so I've got to go uh, do other things now. Okay. We've got, I'm going to be there at 6 p.m. That's when we are going to start. Uh, everybody with an avatar who's bought a ticket will uh, will be giving given the uh, opportunity to come into the platform, and I'll be there to greet you. Great. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another Astral interview. And I have the honor here with me to have Alan Steinfeld, leader in consciousness evolution with 30 years of exploring consciousness as a lecturer on the speaking circuit, host and producer of the long running primetime TV series, New Realities. What have you interviewed? Over 5,000 people now, including Deepak, John Gray, John Anthony West, maybe Ramdas, Richard yes. Dolan. Did you interview Richard Dolan? Yes, many did. times. Yes, yeah, Richard's yes. a good friend. And Nassim Haramein, and what, 12 million views on YouTube? Well, more than that now. I think it's like 20 million views. Because 20 million views on YouTube. I started when YouTube first came out in 2006. I was one of the first creators on there. Absolutely. So. And um, you have an up and coming book too, Making Contact. Yes. It's a, so a collection of essays by our favorite UFO researchers. Not Richard Dolan, because he was too busy to contribute, but um, Linda Moulton Howe, <laughs> uh, Grant Cameron. Uh, Whitley Strieber. Wow. Uh, do, do you know who John Mack is? Yes. Was. was. I, yeah, I got, I got in touch with his estate and there was an unpublished essay that they let me put in this book for the first time in publication. So. Oh my God. So exciting. Yes. So and that, yeah, go, go, go ahead. What were you going to say? Tell me before you go into all the exciting stuff about your book, tell us a little bit about your life. Tell us Tell about tell us about things that nobody knows about about your oh, life. That's a, that's Grew always up. a good that's a good question. Um, <laughs> let me wait one <laughs> second. Let me just grab something. Okay, you can you can cut that part out, right? Where I, I okay. will. Of no, I just want to say one more thing about the book is that Daryl Anka has a piece in there as Bashar. himself, but not as Bashar as Daryl Anka. Awesome. Amazing. So, but your question, okay, what can I tell you that I haven't told? Well, I can always, I can, well, I may have told other people this, but I've never felt like I was from this planet. I never right. felt like a part of my family. Very nice people, very kind, but very, very earth-based, you know, <laughs> very, uh, I'm very, you know, successful in that realm of business. My father, my father was probably the most inspirational person for for me to reach out and do everything I've done because he, you know, he grew up in the depression. He was poor, had to work every single day. I mean, he wanted to. He wanted to never be poor again. So from 16 until the time he could no longer work because he sort of worked himself to death, he was in business. But after he had made it to a certain level, you know, a house in the suburbs, kids, cars, pool, whatever. It was very middle class, you know. Right. Um, after he had made it, he started to search for what else. That was not satisfying. Right. So I, I, I witnessed what he went through and said, well, that saves me a lot of trouble because I don't 
need the house in the suburbs with the car and all that. <laughs> I've already done that one in some level. So, I mean, the searching for the mystery and the mystical right. um, elements of existence. Well, I think that's the most exciting thing here. That's why I'm drawn to people like David Sarita and all the UFO people and Ram Dass and all the, you know, Ram Dass had to like, you know, drop out of Harvard and take LSD. Well, I just had to like realize that there was more to me than, than and what's around you and what surrounds you. Yeah. And, and that the American dream was a kind of, um, a joke because it didn't really get you satisfaction it just it just made you buy into the system it just made you a part of of of, of a uh, corporate um commercial society so that was that was what turned me on to looking to the for something more and you know what when you look for what? something more <coughs> you find it you find it everywhere <laughs> yes of course my mother was very materialistic still is she yeah. said what are you looking at she would always get angry with my father actually and that's that's something i've never told anyone because um <laughs> she was always saying what are you looking for you got it made you've done everything and you know and she you know she liked the material existence right. on whatever level it wasn't like you know huge but it was enough for you know people coming from immigrant parents from Europe, from Poland, Russia, settling with here with nothing. And now, wow, you got your own house, got your own couple of cars. You know, it's like, um, that's sort of what, like. Right, what more do you want now that what, you have what, all this around Yeah, you, right? right. What more do you really need even, you know? Right. So, and so but you saw yeah. what he really needed, right? You saw, you were able to see through what it was that he was searching for because you kind of felt it inside yourself as well. Well, I felt it because I said, well, here's my house in the suburb. Here is this. Do I want to do that when I grow up? I've just done that. I've just right. been part of that experience. Why? I mean, of course, my brothers had a different experience and they wanted that. And, you know, I have two younger brothers and um, right. that's so I always did feel that I was different. But my father did start searching and it gave me permission to not follow a conventional life. It's right. like, you know, I've been living here <clears throat> in the East Village and, you know, felt like I was part of the early settlements here when the, um, when the city started to change in the 80s. So it was a little depressed in the 60s, 70s, and then things started to happen, although now it's depressed again. But for when I started to come into the art scene here, I was more interested in the arts than metaphysics because that was oh, also wow. I was also a creative way of expressing something deeper. What do the arts have to do? Um, and so I, I started my uh, um, artistic side then. Yes, I should show you my early photographs, which got me into this idea of new realities, you know, please. It came through. In my photographs, um, I always thought there was that saying, "You two things cannot occupy the same place at the same, at the time. same time. But I thought, well, what if they could? What <laughs> if two things could occupy the same place at the same time? 
So I would take pictures and double expose it. And um, there were two things in the same frame, same place at the same time, or sometimes three things, four things. So uh, this whole idea of new realities that I've been pursuing talking to people started with the visuals that, oh, here's these intersecting realities that make a third reality. It's not like you just have two, you make something that has never existed before. And that was kind of magic for me. Well, so, to quote you, a mind stretched to new realities never returns to its original, original dimension. Yeah. So what exactly does that mean to you? Well, it means once you see something, you cannot unsee it. Once you experience a kind of multi-dimensional awareness that, or being just simple, being lucid in your dreams, when you start to realize that those realities actually exist, you can't go back to the small box. You can't say, oh, it's not real because you've experienced, you know, the difference between knowledge and experience is that experience is innate wisdom. You can't argue with, you can argue with facts and knowledge, but you can't argue with experience unless no, someone comes along right. and says, no, that didn't happen to you. But I trust people's experiences. So once you've seen a UFO, once you've been abducted, which I write about in my book, um, yeah. you can't go back to a small thing and say, no, the world is only this little right. box. You know, right. Terrence McKenna used to say, the, the culture is not your friend because it limits us. You know, I say, this is a table, that's a chair, this is a ceiling. And that's, those are boxes that we frame our reality in. Yeah. But if we do that, then we live in our predictable world of categories, right? Well, we, well, we know that the box, the chair and the table aren't really what they appear to be anyways. Well, you know that, but most <laughs> people don't even think about that. They right. don't even question that. They don't even um, they don't even like, you know, it's like, OK, yeah. that's yeah. the conditioning of us when we're children in whatever culture you're in to to <clears throat> just um go by the cultural values so it's not just the labels of things it's the values oh, that, yeah. that come place. with those things you know those wow. labeling it's like certain ways of relating and that's why you know prejudice there's no babies are born with prejudice you know that's a taught um, expression by the culture or whatever ignorance people have uh, picked up from their families or their religions or their political affiliations or their media. This is where I, my um, hope is and my feeling is that we're born pretty pure and we're- Well, every religious, quote unquote, religious book states that you're born masum, which is innocent or, or pure or-, or... Yeah right every they, they state that but they don't teach that you know yeah i mean, yeah, I mean yeah. most religions say that if you're this you're better than other people and um right. and that's you know that's why everyone's uh favorite song is imagine imagine no religion yeah. you know no religion yeah right so um i knew that i mean i was brought up jewish my father my father was actually orthodox but he yeah. became a buddhist he started meditating once he started to search around and so 
So how old were you when you first started your search, when you actually mm-hmm. delved into this idea of, of the consciousness? Yeah, that's a really good question. Now, I haven't told anyone this either, but um, um, I think it started, you know, I was brought up on white bread and milk and television and um, Yankee doodles. You know what those are, like little cupcakes and, right. you know, um, sugar, Coca-Cola and pizza. And, you know, pizza and Coca-Cola is a great combination. I, <laughs> I, I haven't had that in 30 years because it, oh. it it doesn't make me feel good. But, <laughs> it doesn't make us feel good anymore. I know it doesn't doesn't make it was. But, you know, that was the American culture in the suburbs. And um, and then I think it was like seventh grade. It's like, um, oh, yeah, I saw an article in the Village Voice that that presented. A, this was like, I guess, in the 70s. The Village Voice was an alternative paper. And it's like. And I just read something. I said, wow, there's actually another way of looking at the news. I mean, that was like, <laughs> uh, really, there was this like you watch Walter Cronkite, whatever the news is, and that's how and that's the way it is. I think he would end every broadcast that way. Yeah, I was a little young, but I do remember some of that. That's the way it is. So if Walter Cronkite says that's the way it is, that must be the, <laughs> the way it is. The way it is. And so you, you watch, you know. I only had three stations, basically, ABC, NBC, CBS, and everything was pretty much the same. And that's what you believe because the media was telling us that's the way it is. But then I read this article in the Village Voice and it's like, well, maybe I think it was an anti-Vietnam Vietnam War thing because that was still going on. It's like, wow. I mean, this war is not what they're telling us. And well, you know, the big well, awakening about today where you have the submitters and you have the rebellers and and these different mindsets that are happening right now even right but there was no um opportunity to have a different mindset back then right but you know i think it actually started earlier in second grade um 1963 i'm I'm giving away how old i was but um that doesn't matter (laughs) doesn't matter the teacher comes in the room I think it was November 21st saying the president has been assassinated. Oh my God. I, I didn't know what that word meant, assassinated. I, I, I thought, and I said, what is that? Well, he's been killed, someone said. I said, really? Why would someone kill the president? Because, right. uh, but, and then at that word assassinated always stuck out in my mind. Well, he wasn't just killed or shot. He was assassinated. That's different. I started to think about, I mean, that stayed with me because it was a trauma. It was like, it was like, it was like 9-11. It was like a world trauma. It's like a world trauma, right? Yeah. It was like a world global trauma and and more here. And, you know, actually I remember even watching the Nixon Kennedy debates and my, and I think I was, that was 1960. I must've been like three years old. And my parents said, which, who do you like? And I immediately was drawn to Kennedy. He just looked nicer. So I, I had some identification. Then I guess I was like eight years old in second grade and there's the president was assassinated. So does that mean he was just shot or does it mean that there was some political right. conspiracy? I'm not much of a conspiracy person, but yes, no. you have to admit that the Kennedy JFK assassination was sort of that yeah. first. 
let's say controversial. Oh, controversial, but the first like step into what is now like a full-fledged occupation for half the country, conspiracy theories. Yeah. But that was the beginning. That really was like the, because- For, for, for someone in grade two though, what the, how do they latch on to the assassination? Well, it was just that word I had never heard before assassination i mean i just never heard it before i mean like you don't really if it's not in the news and no one had been really assassinated in the country probably since whenever mckinley maybe that was 1899 but so i latched onto that word and kept thinking and then you know i started to look at that i found i read the village voice in seventh grade i picked up national lampoon um also around high school right. junior high school national lampoon was another satire right. or making fun of the establishment you know yeah. yeah and then i used to listen to the radio at night because i couldn't fall asleep i think i would have like et invasion nightmares or something like that but <laughs> i couldn't fall asleep i would listen to long john nebel who was like really the art bell and george okay. nori of the 1960s and he would have these way out guests about astral travel and people on different planets. And uh, it was late night radio. And um, that started to make me aware of other realities and, and the fact that people didn't all think the same. You know, you grow up in suburbia and everyone thinks the same. They dress, dress the same. They talk about the same things. You you know, it was good, at least in the town I was living in, that it wasn't all just, um, you know, young, young kids of one type who were kind of mixed with other, um, other people. Um, uh, I mean, other groups there. I mean, there was, there was the Jewish, there was the Italian, there was the Irish, there was the wasps. And so it wasn't just, it was, it was mixed together in a, in a right. nice way where we could, so it wasn't just like, all one type right right so, so that was an open of course you never met a person from india back then or or there were no black people in my school or asians either of any sort so it was wow. a very white bread long island but it wasn't it wasn't racist or prejudice it just it just it just, it just wasn't there it wasn't there yeah yeah I hear but but my family was liberal and open and positive. So anyway, yes. So, what, so what talking about this radio show you were listening to and these other realities that you were right. introduced to through this uh, communication that, that you were attracted to. Mm -hmm. So yeah. was there one that, that, that you attached yourself to? Was there one specific um, mystical reality that well, you were Well, it wasn't to? mystical back then. It was... Um, it was more um, curiosity. Yeah, curiosity. Um, curiosity that um, something else was going on. It, well, I wasn't right. open to mis. I mean, I didn't know about mystical realities till just yet. Yeah. Till I don't know when I started to um, latch onto that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when did that happen? The mystical part. I think when I got to college and started to explore consciousness and when did I start? Oh, I did see uh, a channel in 1981. First time okay. I've ever saw someone oh, channel. Wow. 
And so that was your first experience with with mysticism or metaphysics then? And that's yes, yes, because in college I had studied um, psychology. So, so did you did you like um, I don't know have any dream or any kind of experience as you were growing up or as you were yes, young? Yes, thank you for asking that. Yes, that you're that's a good question. Um, I used to feel like when I was like 14 or something, like I was being pulled out of my body, like, like, wow. like by the back of my neck. It's like, I would be, felt like I was frozen and couldn't yeah. move, but there was this like vibration taking over my body. And right. I knew it wasn't a dream. Right. And it was really disturbing and scary. Okay. And I had this like red sort of uh, lines on the window and the room would sort of turn red and it felt like I was in an altered state. So, you know, I would struggle before that with that or, or wake up and feel like I was out of my body or couldn't move and I'd have to do something in my mind to get back in my body. Yeah. But in the morning I woke up and everything was fine. So it was right. like, hmm. But those things, and then later I researched some of that may have been ET contact or some of right. that may have been um, sleep paralysis. Well, sleep paralysis. I don't, it's, there is no sleep. That is sleep paralysis means you're not really in your body. It's like you're, right. you think so you're, you're in not, your body, but you can't move because you're not in your body. That's, I've had that. I've had that experience. Well, that's me. because you've had out of body, you know? Okay. So you were telling me about your experience and that, that, yeah, it so that sounds ET or it almost sounds abduction, even for that matter. It could have been an abduction. Yes, yes, yes. Right. I write about this in my book. Did you order my book yet? <laughs> I haven't ordered your book no. yet, but I intend to as soon as we get off the show here. No, no, wait, because I want someone told me if everyone orders the book on the same day, it can be a, a bestseller if we get Absolutely. enough people. That's true. So wait to tell order me it. When. You tell me when. I will, I will tell you when. But anyway, so I had those early experiences when I was growing up, like maybe 13, 14. And then I studied psychology in college because I wanted to learn more about the human mind. But someone had told me after college, I was living in New York, and they said this woman channels this uh, warrior from Atlantis, this 35,000-year-old warrior. I said, well, who is this woman? And they right. said, well, she's a housewife from Washington State. I said, that's really ridiculous. I'm, I don't believe that. It's housewife, like, housewife channels a warrior. Yes. Okay. Right. It's like it didn't make sense to a psychological yeah. perspective. So I was uh, not interested in that for like two years. And then, you know, this is like, I mean, I could have been one of the first to see it. So this is like 1979. Someone tells me about this woman, Jay-Z Knight. Have you heard of Ramtha? Yeah, Absolutely. So it was like she was just starting to do channeling yep. in 1979, but it wasn't until 1981. I tried her meditation with the with the. Oh, with it's the great! That that actually changed my awareness more than anything I ever did. Once I got into Ramtha, but I wow. didn't get to, into him right away. I had to think about it for two years, and then someone had left um, these audio tapes in my apartment for my roommate, who I had here in New York. Um, and on the tapes, Ramtha was asked, answering questions. And mm -hmm. there was this one question by a woman who said, asking Ramtha about her health, and she had this really bad skin, you know, with right. 
acne, I guess. And she said she had tried everything to actually heal that. And she said right. nothing worked. And then Rampha says to her, well, have you tried loving it? And it's like, there was a moment you could hear it on the audio. And the, yeah, that's like, like wow, what? that just stopped her. And it stopped me. Yeah. And I said, well, maybe this other way of understanding is really about loving something that we can't deal with or something. So right. I right. went to see then this channel. She was coming to New York. She would tour the country she'd go to like southern california northern california and then new york and jay-z night jay-z night okay, yes yes jay-z night right she would so travel around was, so it was jay-z night that this this housewife yes jay-z okay, night okay, was uh, the housewife okay, no okay. no jay-z night and then okay. i said okay well if it's about loving it and um i'll go check it out because a lot of my friends were going i had this friend who was a dwarf right uh, from college, I knew him, Bobby Faust, great guy, he's no longer with us, but he would say, he asked Rampha a question, which right. she, Jay-Z Knight would channel Rampha, he said, yeah. he said to her, why, why am I a dwarf this lifetime? And Rampha said to him, <laughs> because you were a giant in a past lifetime and you wanted to see the world from another perspective. <laughs> so anyway, all my friends were going that I knew because it was kind of like, you know, now channeling is like an everyday kind of household word. But in the early 80s, like, you know, there was only Seth, Jane Roberts. Right. That was like, right. and that was great stuff, too. If you ever read, do you ever read Seth? I have, I've read two of her books. Yeah, that's great. The, yeah, this is one of my favorites. The unknown reality oh you can't see it but it's the unknown no it can reality. no it can okay. yeah the unknown uh, reality that. that is great the nature of personal reality but anyway i went to see rampa 1981 and there's an audience probably maybe a hundred people in this auditorium on uh, central park west and you know i'm not quite bored but i'm just like you know there's yeah. all this people are asking about how to like heal their sick parakeet i mean ridiculous <laughs> questions you know and then Rantha um, points towards me and he says to me, what say you beloved entity? How be you this day in your time? And it's wow. like, what are you talking? No. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> You're talking to me. I looked around. There was no one behind me. I guess, I guess he was talking to me. Right. But, you know, in that moment of that connection, it was like, reality became distorted it became like um Something like i was else. in an altered state in that connection it was felt like there was like this embrace of our energies in the middle of the room right. there it's like in the, everything like, else around you stopped and it yes, was yes yes it was like this moment it's like you ever see like the sound drops away and just like yeah, and absolutely. that was like oh it's like in that moment, I knew I was greater than my body. There was more to me. That was like, that was like some people have that on LSD or whatever they do. But that was my moment where right. the search began. Wow. Where, the, where I entered the metaphysical arena, you know? So how, so then all these other realities we talked about that you heard on that radio show, you named your show the new realities yes 
So yes. I'm, we're going to come back to that question because I want you to make that distinction for me. Mm -hmm. But um, in in your experience with Ramtha, that that whatever opened up for you, mm -hmm. tell me now where did that lead you? Like, how do we go from somebody who's just exploring consciousness in their individual experience to somebody who wants to tell the world about it? Right. It led me everywhere. That experience. Every every I I from then. You know, I would just do freelance jobs. I would take the next workshop. You know, I take the next chakra thing. I learned about, you know, energies because right. I realized I was really just energy. I even went to acupuncture school. For That's right. Years. You become a, become an acupuncturist. Yeah, just to study the energy pathway. So I became obsessed with energy. It wasn't so much UFOs at that time. So I just wanted to know more. I wanted to know, well, that was an altered state of consciousness. I really didn't do like drugs to experiment i mean i didn't really like marijuana i didn't really do i mean i did do ecstasy occasionally that was nice that was a hard opening i did do an awful experience ketamine that was a horrible thing with john Lilly. that was the worst experience i've ever done uh, what advice do you have with it for anyone I, with my advice is that you don't need drugs don't even need ayahuasca right is sort of a joke it, we already you see i think in the 60s maybe those things expanded consciousness but you know we as a collective are already opening those parts of our brain to access these new realities so those things actually take us down they yeah. lower our vibration we my feeling is that we are in a much higher vibration now than we were 20 years ago or 30 years or 100 years ago. It keeps getting refined. We don't see well, it. Because we're not we're necessarily in a higher vibration. It's just we're be, being able to perceive that higher vibration because we're absolutely always in that higher vibration. But I do think the there's a physical higher vibration, like an acceleration I, within the, the body. We're getting closer to light, the ascension, whatever you want to call that. So okay. I started. So after that meeting with Ramtha 81, it's like, oh, I was just going to explore all the spiritual possibilities that I no longer doubted because I had an experience that showed me they were real. I mean, Ramdas talks about that in uh, Be Here Now when he took the LSD. All the <laughs> mystical books started to make sense. Well, I didn't need to take the LSD. It's like right. all started to make sense because like I'm sure you've had an experience that got you into this, right? Yeah, I'll interview absolutely. you sometime and you, we'll do that. Sure, we but, can do that. Because I'm interested in what is that moment where it's like losing your virginity. It's like, what is that moment where yeah. you um i believe every, i believe everyone has that it, that experience that well not everyone i think it, there's a lot of people i know who haven't had it but you know well, the people we know yes yes that's true um i mean or they i, mean, didn't I think the most of the world or they didn't that? recognize it or they didn't recognize it right 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 they didn't recognize but i don't think they actually even have had it because i think i mean there's a lot of uh very dense people like my brothers i don't think had that i don't think like you know um um i don't I think... hear you because i feel the same way about my brother and sister <laughs> right so they haven't not i and it's a vibrational thing yeah. meeting ramtha in 1981 
shifted my vibration because I was ready for that. I mean, somebody else may have had the same experience. And it's like, oh, that was interesting. But for me, actually, before I met Ramtha, I was kind of looking at different spiritual traditions. I was looking at gurus and Osho. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't really want to dress in orange. That was not a good color for me. <laughs> I didn't want to wear someone's picture around my neck. So I wasn't, I wasn't into worshiping somebody in the Eastern Indian tradition. No, nothing personal, but you know, no, no. I just didn't. No, or and in the Western tradition, it's like you had to follow this unseen being right. who sat in judgment, uh, right. or you know, that's that's the Judaic, or like this bloody person on a cross. Right. You had to worship some bleeding person on a cross. That didn't make <laughs> any sense to me. Although I think Jesus is a great teacher once you really awesome. learn the true story about it, but. Um, so anyway, I wanted something unseen. And that was the th one thing Ramtha said in the talk that I went to. He said, everybody wants to know what channeling is. Everybody wants to like uh, be a part of this phenomenon. But the real question is, who's coming through that body? Who, right. who, where's that energy? Where is that? What's, mm -hmm. What is that? What well, are you? And what are you? Right. Absolutely. We turned the question around instead of like, like being fascinated with the channel, be fascinated with the source of your own energy. Right. And that well, I, I, was in a, I was in a channeling session once where, where the channel, the person channeling the voice channeling out of them said, you bow down, you bow down, you bow down. There was like five or six of us in the room and I refused to bow down and it, he yelled at me, you know, bow down. I just ran out of that. Right. That's that's the so big problem. Just because someone's channeling doesn't mean they're enlightened. It means they're exactly. like just not physical. And people think, oh, you know, but, you know, it's it's you have to really be where I mean, I feel like I was lucky because Ramtha, he felt like an ascended being. He said he was, but this expanded consciousness and and the wisdom I mean, he never said he, he said, no, you are God. Absolutely. I, I like that. And, one thing, and what's that? That's a different channel or a different entity coming out of Ramtha than the one I experienced, for example, right? I don't it, know who did you, yeah, right. Then the being you experienced. Then the right, being right. experience. Right, right, right. Definitely. Well, there's so many, there's an infinite amount of unseen beings and they're not all woke, as they say these days. <laughs> I mean, a, like, Bashar or Esther Hicks and 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 we're talking about some very sophisticated channeling coming out of them, right? I yes, mean, yes. Although I thought I think I mean I like Bashar, of course, because he's brilliant, but I Ram, I mean Esther Hicks is very I mean, she's okay for beginners. <laughs> it's just my judgment, but it's very I mean, the law of attraction is great and it works, but it only gets you what you know, right. you know. If yeah. you if you focus on what you want, but what Rantha was saying was we're here to make known the unknown. Right. That was that's like one of his like basic principles. The reason you incarnated was not to have a house and all get all those things, and you know <laughs> that that's actually in the way, or that's like that's not why you incarnated right. to have a lot of stuff. 
It's not about the law of attraction. It's about being a creative being. And with your creativity, you bring something new into the plane of existence and adds to the, the wisdom and the joy of the world. That's why you incarnated. That's what you're doing with this program. Absolutely. So you're here to own the human experience. This is Ramtha. And in the owning of it, you take it to another level. You know, you're here to look at everyone and you say, when you look at everyone and say, I, I know what that is. I know what that feels like. So, and I would practice that like on the subways, looking into people's eyes and say, right. oh yeah. And do you see God in that person? Do you see the light in that person? And even the most awful person, there is a God force oh. coming through there. Or, you know, so that was a practice and it's like, yeah. oh, I mean, so we're here to own the human experience, which means we're here to have all the um, feelings that human beings are capable of feeling. That's my philosophy. And we're here to create, we're here to be creators as we emulate creation. So making yeah. known the unknown is what new realities is about. If you want to get back to that, because it's yep. like, that is the basis. I want to bring new possibilities because I want to know them. I'm just right. showing myself what. I mean, the, the ET experience, for example, the, the contact experience, going mm -hmm. to your book now, making contact. Yes. Um, as we come to our close, um, making contact, for example, that wasn't as predominant as it is right now. And right. Right. Yes, what, you're absolutely what, right. Like yes. there's this period where we were, there was near death experiences, for example, was a <laughs> that big was the, thing. That and was astral this. experiences was a big thing. And now mm. all of a sudden we have this right. ET experience. As That's a, right. You're right. That was the soup du jour of the day. And now we have right. something else. Yeah. So, um, that's it. So making contact is sort of on everyone's mind because, and I make this clear in the book, and I'll send you a PDF for the book, okay? Please. Yeah, I'd love but to. Still I'll buy I'll, it. I'll review it for you too. Yes, but still buy it too, if you don't mind. I will. I will. <laughs> but um, it's making contact is actually a two-way street. Everyone is waiting for them to show up, but we have to shift how we're thinking if we're going to be open to making contact. So it's like we have to reach out. And as they reach towards us, we meet. That's the making of contact. It's two so, ways. So what's your thought of the CE5 then, where, where Stephen Greer is approaching it, where we are the initiators of making contact versus waiting for contact? Well, they're there. They're waiting for us to reach up. So they are waiting. We are we're not initiating it in, in the sense that Greer thinks about it. They're already here. We're just yeah. tuning our frequency to see them, but they still have to do their part, which is show up. Right. So they're here and they're changing people's consciousness by planting um, new possibilities in people's minds. Did you hear that interview with Anjali, the one Roderick brought on? I sure did. That was like, that, that's mind blowing, isn't it? It felt like it felt like she's experienced every single phenomenon you could possibly think of in, mm -hmm. in that sense. Right. Whether it was near death, whether it was channeling, whether it was. Yes. Yes. Whether, but she has a real message for us. She 
is going to be part of this next wave, I feel. And um, they're here. They, they singled her out to make contact. So it's Stephen Greer, you know, he does his part. And I did a C5 with him and I did see things. But when you shift your mind, when you drop out of the beta waves and more into alpha and data and theta, that creates a doorway for other beings, other dimensions to right. show up without fear, you know, without fear. Right. A lot of people have these um, these experiences spontaneously. And, and yeah. I did too, when I was abducted. Yeah. Same, yes. You, you were abducted? I don't know if it was an abduction, but when you say that there's no such real thing as sleep paralysis, maybe it was an abduction because certainly- Well, I think it's a joke. People call it sleep paralysis. You're just not in your body, come on. Yeah. But scientists are not ready to admit that sort of- um, But I did have an experience that, that was showing me where I felt like I was in my body and out of my body at the same time, if that makes sense to you. Totally makes sense because it happened to me because you may be out of your body, but your consciousness is still, I don't believe in a silver cord, but somehow connected to the body. So when I was out of my body, I was able to um, feel my body breathing and all that. So I was able right. to be actually Carlos Castaneda talks about it being here and there at the same time. Yeah. Did you ever read Carlos Castaneda? I did, absolutely. I did, did you read all his books? A while ago when I was 20. I don't have all his books, but I did oh, read his main That one. was a huge influence on me. So I think the three major influences for me. I listened to his audio books. Right. <laughs> I had three, all these cassettes. Three major influences for me was Carlos Castaneda. I read every, I took one summer and right. read every single book in order. And it's like one long story. It's like, yeah. it's not like the ending of a book, like one yeah. book leads into the next. So I think he has yeah. eight books out, Teaching Don Juan, Step of Reality, Journey to Land, Tales of Power, you know, of all power. this. And it's an incredible story. It's, yeah. And um, he just didn't have enough impeccability to make the definitive journey. And so when I read that, I felt positive about almost everything. Do you know what yes, I mean? Then it is when, but but then when I read something like Robert Monroe, it felt like like this darkness comes in when I read really is that I never read that I never heard that. And Robert Monroe is there that well, there, it's just that like for example, you have to protect yourself, and and in that sense, right? Do you know what I mean? Like I know what you mean, but I think if you have to protect yourself, then you have to then you're attracting what it is you're protecting yourself exactly, from. Exactly. And and yeah, I don't until until I read that in Robert Monroe, I didn't feel I needed to protect myself. Well, you don't. If you don't feel you do, then you're. <laughs> I mean, there are some weird astral entities out there, but you know. Right. Uh, I mean, I've had, I, I've had outstanding experiences, but I haven't really had any negative experiences per se. Yeah, because you're already at a different vibration. You're already you're already there. Right. So I wouldn't worry about it. You know. Right. I mean, right. It's it. You're good. You're good to go. <laughs> really, but tell everyone about your book now, because mm. and we gotta do this again. Because no, no, let's do a part two more. But I really appreciate the early childhood questions because uh, it gives me perspective. Because um, um, but my book 
so after the Ramtha stuff, I st- I did have some UFO. I did have a UFO experience, abduction experience, or real abduction, not just like wow. in, in 1987. So tell us about the- that before you go. Just well, I was driving cross country with this girlfriend. We stopped by this road, and we and in the night we felt like we were frozen, like we were just like we, it's not like the- we were sleep paralysis. We just we woke up in the same position we went to sleep in. Then right. that never happened. You don't even remember something like that. Right. It's like, and in my book, I write about this so you can read that, but it was like a time mold was made of us. We were taken out of the present time and brought into this other reality and then put right back into this mold like that was made of our imprint on time is the only way I could describe that. And, wow. and, and it took me, and, and I also, I heard, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lazar, Bob Lazar talk about this, that they were able to do this freeze time. And I, and it happened after I had my experience or he said this. So well, anyway, the experiment also talks about that. Yeah, I don't know about the Philadelphia. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of talk about it. I'm not sure what to believe about that though, but I yeah. too, I too, I don't know what to believe yeah. about but it. Anyway, but anyway, in that, in that abduction experience, it took me 20 years to integrate that whole thing. I'm still integrating that. But but after that, I started to, I said, what happened to me? And I met Bud Hopkins and John Mack, Whitley Strieber, really the big names. And it's like, I sort of became obsessed with um, the UFO ET experience. So I, I would go to all the conferences and, you know, just hang out with Linda Moulton Howe till two. Friend David Suida at that time. <laughs> probably i probably met david then and um lots of people hang out with uh grant cameron whitley go out i mean these are the all-stars of our of our team they've been travis walton we were a bunch of us were on a ufo cruise together with travis and you know they they're regular people but they you know i found the whole ufo group very intelligent very open-minded for the most part most of them and looking to this other level of reality. So I became sort of good friends with a lot of these people. And um, so I, I asked them when I went to the, I'm writing another book about a very, well, unknown abduction that happened in the 1800s. Oh. Uh, but I went to this publisher. I said, well, I have this book about this great abduction. And he goes, well, we're not ready for that. Why don't you write an <laughs> anthology why don't you write a collection? Why don't you collect the best people in this field, put them together in one volume, and we'll put it out there as your book, as the editor, and I and contribute a piece. So I did that. I, I got Linda and Daryl Anka and Whitley Strieber and Nick Pope and Mary Rodwell and wow. like really the people I really <laughs> people I've actually had also personal connection with. It's right. like I was even John Mack, who I knew. I mean, he's no longer with us, well, but I knew well, the people you taking spoke care to of their him. estate, right? Yeah, I spoke to his archivist actually, who I also knew because I had sent John things and I did an interview with John way back. So I knew I knew them. And so I put them all together in a book um, that starts with the outer, with the nuts and bolts, as they say. So what does the government know? And what are UFOs? What do they think? And then I go more and more into consciousness until I get to like the abduction part and then the integration part, like with 
Carroll and Mary and Carolyn Corey. I finished it with Carolyn Corey, who actually talks about merging with these ETs. Wow. So wow. I run. Thank you. Yeah, because I, it's like it runs the course of the whole phenomena as we know it right. with this like it's like a deepening of of levels of 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 interest of of awareness about the phenomena. Right. So you, you start with the exterior. Oh, yeah, there's something up in the sky. And then it goes way into like consciousness. Right. Right. So that's that's what makes this book making contact different than all the thousands and tens of thousands of UFO books already out there. Right. There's right. something. It's, 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 it's a narrative. Gamut. Yes. Yes. There's a spec. Yes. Exactly. I'm glad you get that. Absolutely. Yes. No. Let's do a part two where we can talk about. Um, I'd love to. We can dig deeper right. into it, many yes. things. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, is there anything else you want to know just before? No, is there anything last minute that you want to say? Before well, buy the book on Amazon, right? You could put the Amazon link there yeah, and and tell your friends to buy. Actually, that my publicist says, tell people to buy three copies, one for yourself, one for your family to show them that you're not crazy, and one for those one friends for that... what? And one to give to someone. Yes, one to give to someone who doesn't believe any of this stuff or exactly. to, who, or who do, because it, it I think actually I only wrote one part of it, but it's really I enjoyed reading the essays. It, it's like, wow, it's almost like there's an invisible story being told here. Well, you must have had like as you're writing this, this corpus of, yeah. of experiences, you probably went through a shift in consciousness as you were writing it. Well, I went through a shift in writing my own story, like from childhood, my obsession. I didn't yeah. even tell you that part. With And so I wrote about stuff I had never actually talked to anyone about. Right. Because, I don't know, I just had time. I got to... the feeling to ask you questions about things you never told anyone about. So must be yeah. connected to that. It is connected to that. Thank you for following your intuition. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thank love you. To Thank you. I really enjoy talking to you. So I, I enjoy talking to you. I love you, Alan. Thank you oh, so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank I you. Bless. Oh. Thanks. Okay. Bye.